can he be successful enough to kind of rip that job from uh, from Latroy Hawkins' cold, dead hands? I really liked that acquisition. I think that he's going to shock some folks. Very interested in Shane Green. There must be like somebody's boss that watches these games through Twitter because damn it, these tweets are out of control this spring. Given the that Tim Federovich or whatever is his backup. By the way, I got to give you credit on Federovich. I know you. I've heard you talk. I do listen to the <laughs> podcast. I've heard you talk about having player pronunciation issues. Welcome to episode 210 of the Sleeper in the Bus. It's your Tuesday edition. I am Paul Spore, joined as always on Tuesdays by Mr. Eno Saris. Eno, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Got a good night's sleep last night, and I have hope that my children will someday sleep through the night on their own. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Um, got, got a lot of news to cover, so we're going to jump right into it because timing... Uh, is of the utmost importance. You've got a hard stop coming. So we're going to dive right into the news. First, let you know you can reach us both on Twitter, at Sporer for me, at Eno Saris, all one word, E-N-O-S-A-R-R-I-S. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. We greatly appreciate that. Been seeing the reviews roll in. A lot of five stars out there, some very awesome comments. Always appreciate that. The bit, bits of news that we've got, mostly injury-related, but some we're hearing some jobs are finally starting to be won. So it's not all negative news all the time, but we are going to start off on the negative tip, unfortunately. And it's uh, with Anthony Rendon and that knee, which was uh, you know originally thought to be pretty insignificant, uh, or at least that's how it was played up at first. However, he's now seeking a third opinion on that MCL sprain. And uh, it's a little bit nerve-wracking now because he hasn't played since March 9th, or he's been dealing with the with the sprain since March 9th. Uh, I don't know if he's been out that entire time. And now he's not expected for opening day. And Rendon was a guy who was getting late first-round consideration uh, in some of the deeper mixed leagues by yours truly, to be honest. I thought he was a guy who you could take in that top 15 there. However, this was the one question that we always had with him. It's not, not never been about talent. It's always been about health, and now we're already seeing in, in his second full year here the health playing a role before that second full year even gets started. How are you valuing Rendon right now? You know, I, I had Rendon as a possible keeper in one of my leagues when all this stuff started going down, and I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep him. I mean, he was up against guys like um, Corey Kluber in the 10th, in, in, keeping him in the 10th, and then um, Marte in the 16th, and, and Springer in the 14th, and I traded for Edwin Arcanacion in the 15th. So it's like I had all these great values, and, and even though Rendon was in the 12th, and I've been really, I, he'd been a lock for me, um, he, he fell out, and I, I didn't end up keeping him just because I was worried that it'd be one month, and then it started being, you know, oh, it's just, he needs to look at it, he needs to look at it again, and, and so, you know, this isn't one of those situations where the guy is trying to get on the field. You know, if it was like October and he was going for a second um, a second look to a doctor, I think that's like, hey, can you just let me play? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but this is like, this is like it, it, it seems like it's the other way where it's like, you know, an MCL sprain, yes, it's not, it's not a great diagnosis, but it is, you know, sort of a three to four week thing, I would say. 
Um, it's not something that should affect his availability for the for the rest of the five months of the season. It's not that big a deal, you wouldn't think normally. Um, but if he keeps going back in, it makes me think um, they need surgery. Exactly. The deeper we get into this, the more worrisome it is. And so I, I am growing concerned, unfortunately. And I, I can't blame you for the move that you made there. And I, I think that's a good indication of how you're feeling because you have him with all these other really good guys. So it's not like you took some lesser guys over him, but a guy who would have been a lock did get bumped down. So keep that in mind. Obviously, people are going to have drafts this weekend. Be careful with Rendon. He could turn into a value if he starts going in like the fourth round or something. Then all of a sudden, I'm jumping right back in. But that first, second round, as much as I love this guy all winter, I'm now I'm now playing it a bit cautiously. So uh, be careful there. On the other end uh, of the, uh, like I said, there's going to be some positive news. There's a little bit of positive news out of Texas. Ryan Rua has been declared the uh, left field, or excuse me, the left fielder in Texas. He wins a job. So that was a bit of a cluster out there. We didn't really know where it was going to go. Rua, uh, Smolinski, Delano DeShields, Michael Choice. They had a lot of names out there. You know, none of them were terribly inspiring. But, you know, Rua did some decent work in his 109 plate appearances last year with the Rangers as a 24-year-old. Uh, put up a 295 average, a 740 OPS, which was good enough for a 108 uh, OPS plus there. So, you know, just a tick above average. If you ex- extrapolate his numbers over a full season, it was 12 homers, 6 stolen bases. Nothing special, but... Do you see that he could be anything worthwhile here? He had a big spring training. We don't go crazy over over that. Never was a huge prospect, but I think he had some of that, you know, second tier kind of prospect, second ten, if you will. Doesn't make a top ten list, but would make a top twenty list. What, are you expecting anything out of him this year with a full season of of work potentially ahead of him? You know, I, I'm a little worried. Right-handers in this sort of situation always worry me more than left-handers just because the the floor is so low. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because if he if he ends up being a platoon bat that just faces lefties, then um, then he's got very little fantasy value. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I know the outcome of this. Um, I know that a 1.8% walk rate uh, or, or basically two walks and 109 plate appearances is not great. That's not that's not what you want out of Ryan Rua. I don't, I, I, I can <laughs> I think I can hear you on that one. That's uh, that's not. But he had so better good. he had better walk rates in the minors. So you know if you look at at Semyon and, and how he how Semyon kind of um, struggled at first with his walk rate. He had a one percent walk rate his first time uh, through the to major leagues. So there are certain uh, I think offensive profiles, plate discipline profiles that that take a second to, to really take root. Maybe sure. it's the old player skills, the, the, the guys that, um, you know, whiff a lot and walk a lot. Maybe, it, you know, maybe at first they just whiff a lot. So, you know, that's a possible thing. I would say that the, uh, the power has been so far, you know, okay. He had the one year in, in high a where he hit 30, 29 homers. But other than that, he's been kind of what you would project to be in the major leagues. It's kind of league average power. So, um, yeah, I, th- you know, I, I think we could see teens homers out of him, and and that would be fine. But he's like an AL only or super deep mixed. I can't see him really being a twelve team play. Uh, keep an eye on him; he could emerge into that. But you know, I, I don't think you got to go out and roster him even as a reserve pick in a twelve teamer. But he does have the job, and you know, having having a starting role matters, especially in fantasy. That's the playing time's the biggest currency right now. 
So, uh, yeah, just, you know, for what's worth, Smolinski, you know, the other guy that's behind him on the depth chart is also a righty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Delino DeShields, who, uh, you know, made the team and is a backup outfielder of some sort, is also a righty. And so, so is Choice. So all, all of them are. Yeah, so there's really, there's no lefty that's coming uh, for his job, really, right now. And that all the old guys, um, you know, Sh- you know, Sheerholtz was there for a little bit and, and, and Ludwig and stuff. Ludwig's a righty. But anyway, they, they had some other lefties in there that were, that could possibly have factored in but but won't. So, you know, he's really he's really set to, for the playing time. And, and I, I think he's just a deep leaguer just because we don't know what his batting average will look like. And if it, we don't know that a guy who's going to hit 14 homers, 15 homers is really uh, a mixed league player. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just tough. So, like I said, keep an eye on him. Maybe he develops into something a little bit more. But right now, we're not getting too crazy on him. Uh, Justin Verlander now is looking like he could hit the disabled list. Uh, he left his most recent start with some, uh, I think it was forearm tightness, uh, triceps. Triceps. Tricep. Yeah, it was yeah. tricep issue now. And so they haven't ruled out the possibility of Verlander hitting the disabled list. Obviously, those who are already anti-Verlander are just now probably taking him off the board entirely instead of bump. You know, they've already bumped him down. Now they're just completely pulling him off. Where are you with Verlander right now? I mean, we we talked about him a little bit in the, in the starting pitcher one, and it's not great that a his results haven't been great, and uh, b now that there's you know there's health issues as well. And I I was hoping that you know there was. A couple of good reports about his curveball, and you know he, he's at least been healthy. I thought maybe um, health was a big deal last year. I mean, he had the core surgery that really led to, I think, a lot of his uh, issues with velocity loss and, and, and some of the bite on his pitches last year. Uh, but if he's if he's dealing with injury again and might start on the DL, then I'm I'm leaning a lot more towards. Yeah, old Verlander, he ain't what he used to be. Yeah, it's it's just really tough to get to get excited right now. Uh, I'm still, I would say, I'm still in the camp of buying because the discount's enough for for me to to still invest, but it's getting shakier and shakier. And obviously, would you, wouldn't you rather have like a guy like CC probably? See, with 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 between those two, I'm still with Verlander. Okay, I'm still with Verlander, but uh, some of the other names that. I'm trying to think of some of the other names that would be around there where where I'm now starting to move toward uh, t- toward the other guy, whoever that may be. Uh, some of those other veteran names, um, you know, like a Matt Cain. Uh, in terms of two veteran guys, I think I'm now starting to lean over toward somebody like that. Uh, it's just it's it's tough to stay convicted to him, especially after what he did to us last year. Um, and the one thing that we, for me, I was saying, you know, well, at least he's pitching. He was pitching all the time. He was healthy. And so that, that was looking good. I mean, he wasn't full playing at opera hundred percent last year because of the core surgery, but he was still going out there pitching all the time. But now with, with potential injury, I got to start backing off of him. Uh, let's you know, just, I, I had him ahead of, um, some guys that I would, that I would move him down from my ranks. I had him around 50 in line and, um, that was a little bit because I I just you know read about his curveball and written about his curveball and mm-hmm. felt I guess a little bit frisky about him. But um, now I've got guys behind him. Uh, I mean Liriano, yeah. You know, you know, always injury risk, but at least when he's in there, he'll be good. Um, you know, guys like Paxton Ventura, um, I'd rather have them. So yeah, I'd move him down to. I've got Kane, Fister, McCarthy. Um, in the 60s, I might move Han ahead of those guys, but and Casimir maybe. 
But Hayne Fist, Kane Fister McCarthy, I think I'd put him right behind that, maybe in the low 60s, which means that he's um, an okay last pitcher on a mixed league uh, team. Sure, but not but not something that you're really trying to go out there and get. Uh, I had a mid 40s. I probably got him early 50s to mid 50s right now. Uh, if if I we're gonna do an update based on this because uh, this just muddies the picture further and and we just don't know what we're gonna get from Verlander and it's it's concerning. Uh, so let's move on. Out in San Diego, we heard we heard about this a little bit in the winter, and now that they've come out and, and talked about it even more, that the Padres would be interested in possibly using Will Myers at, at first base a little bit. Um, I think it would be against lefties. So you get you get Yonder Alonso out of there, and then Cameron Mabin comes in in center field. I don't know that it does too much to change Myers's value because I I didn't really see him. You know I. I you don't really care if he gains first base eligibility. That's the deepest position on the field anyway. But also the fact that uh, all it really does for me is I think changes Alonzo's value, which wasn't that high to begin with. But in the context of this, I want to use it as a jumping point to talk a little bit about Myers because uh, we're going to do outfielders today, but he's not in the first 50, and that's all we're going to talk about. So talk to me a little bit about how you feel about Mr. Will Myers coming into this year after the disappointing 2014 I'm just upset that I don't have any any shares of him yet. I'll make sure I've got a draft tonight. I think I'm gonna make sure I get a share of him just because you know he played through an injury last year. We know from Zimmerman's work that that usually uh, means that they're underprojected in power. If you look at the power projections that he's got right now, they're all below. You know, obviously with what he did in the high minors, but even what he did in his first year of the Rays. So, you know, I, I think he's. I wouldn't say a lock, but I, I'd say. My personal power projection for him would be growth from his rookie season. I mean, dude is 24 years old um, and had really great power numbers in the minors, and then um, had a decent rookie year, and then you know, you know, mashed in AAA again. So I feel like, you know, for me, uh, a 200 ISO is not out of the picture. Yeah, I, I think that this is a situation where uh, he's being pushed down a, a bit too far. I think people are, are, are a bit too angry with him, uh, with their expectations. And I'm with you in terms of I want to get at least one share, uh, uh, you know, just to have something in there. And because you can't give up on this profile, we were all, as a baseball community, so giddy about him. He comes up, justifies that by winning the rookie of the year by not even playing 100 games. That's how, that's how good he was in, in 88 games back in 2013. Well, he fizzled last year for sure. But like you said, injuries were a big part of that. And we give so many guys breaks on injuries, so many different guys um, breaks when, when they're hurt. And we, we, we excuse them. And yet I don't see him getting excused. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. I know he was traded. And since he was traded from Tampa, the or, organization that everyone thinks is so smart and great. And I'm not necessarily saying I disagree. But because he was traded from that organization, I think that that has influenced the opinions on Myers as well. Well, if they don't want him, then why the heck should I? They're not a flawless organization. They don't always, you know, the last time they gave somebody to San Diego in a trade, it was Jesse Hahn, and that worked out pretty well. So it's not like Tampa Bay never gives up on a guy when he's still plenty useful. And and not only that, it's not like they sold low on him. That was a big blockbuster deal. So I'm with you on Will Myers. I want to get in there, make sure I've got some some pieces there. I'm not and, a huge fan of, 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 you know, doing that sort of analysis anyway because, you know, the, I remember – Living in Atlanta, you know the Atlanta the Braves were untouchable. Yep, and you know they gave Wayne right away. Of course. Uh, I mean they they wanted 
uh, I think it was JD Drew, and so you know you you have to give up something to get something. But still, I I, I think that every organization makes uh, makes. I mean, Alex Anthopoulos, people love him. He's made some mistakes. Yeah, nobody's flawless, and that's that's the thing. Uh, some of these organizations get treated as though you know they they they, they don't ever make mistakes. But every single organization has some. Even whoever you would consider the best GM, you can go through his record, and you're going to see some flubs. I think uh, my favorite team's GM, Dan Dave Dombrowski. Dan Dave Dombrowski is fantastic, but he's got some flubs in his career too. Everybody right. does. So uh, yeah, that, that, that's a good point there. And uh, so I mean, the, the reason I've got a hard stop today is. Uh, I'm going to go on 120 Sports to uh, debate with Steve Phillips about uh, about uh, you know the the team picks that we made this this year. Ooh, nice! Uh, and um, I actually had a real hard time picking between the Padres and the Mets for the second wild card, and I think that they will battle it out. Um, I think that'll be one of the more interesting ones. Um, of course, they, they they will you know have maybe the Reds. Uh, the third team, and the, the Cubs will be there. It'll be a four-team race. Sure. But I think those four teams will be really interesting to watch next year, and 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 will come down to the final thing. And I think that we poo-pooed a little bit the the Padres moves a bit too much. Um, and uh, I think that the defense is the kind of thing that they can figure out. They have defensive pieces. You know, we we keep talking about how they can't play all three of those outfielders, but this this kind of a move where they play Myers at first allows them to get. Maven in, and it also allows you to do things like play Myers late in the game at first. You know, yep. do you get a lead, take Alonzo out, push Myers to first, and put Maven in. Especially center. if you're so, p- playing against a team that you know is going to just bring out some beast lefty anyway to face yeah. Alonzo. Absolutely, it's a great call. The one thing I really like, the reason I, I didn't necessarily hate their moves, was because um, the the big comparison that folks need to make is from what they're coming from. Look what they're coming from last year. It's not so much that this offense can can necessarily stack up against, say, Toronto's or, or whomever's you, whoever you think is the best in the league, but it's the fact that the improvements they made over last year are so substantial that I think it's really going to help them because, you know, it's not like they were good last year, but the fact that they rung 77 wins out of that club with that god-awful offense – that says that they're, they're, the rest of their team was still pretty good, and now they've greatly improved the offense. I could easily see them flipping their record, 85 and 77, and then all of a sudden, like you said, they're right in that wild card talk. And I'm with you on the Mets. I know that's your ball club, so some people might give you some hell about being a homer for them. I, I'm 100% with you. If that hitting can do anything, because that, that pitching, I love that pitching, even after losing Wheeler, a big critical loss like that, I still think they've got a chance. So um, I hear you on, as far as the Mets, and Mets-Padres could be a lot of fun to watch down the stretch. Uh, let's see, what's, what do we got next here? Changing tabs, sorry. Uh, Carlos Rodon looked, looked like he had a chance to, to sneak in there and, and break camp with the club, especially with Chris Sale's injury. But he's been he's been sent down, so he is going to begin in AAA. But uh, I imagine that it's going to be pretty quick, huh? I mean, it, it's not going to take too long unless he just craters in Charlotte or the even more unlikely scenario that, like, John Danks and Hector Noesi come out and just dominate. I, <laughs> I, I just – I can't see him – I mean, because first off, both would have to, and I, I think at least one of them will, will uh, flop – and and open the door for somebody like Rodon. And I don't think he's going to go down to Charlotte and, and crumble. I think he'll go down there, dominate, and then just be knocking on the door at a moment's notice. I'm still perfectly high on him. The prices I paid for him in, in the various leagues where I got him uh, assumed that he wasn't going to make the, the roster. So this doesn't 
change anything for me. How do you feel about it? I guess the big question for a lot of people is if they're in a redraft league, um, and, and how long should they hold on to him in that spot? That's True. Probably, and it's going to uh, be league dependent. You know how many res- how many reserves? Dynasty leaguers, you know, they're ready for this and they're they're going to hold him. So uh, I think in a redraft league, I think I agree with your analysis. Noesi is is nothing to me. Danks is an injury away, and he's he's always injured anyway. If the sale thing, you know, gathers any sort of steam and 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 takes any sort of time, then you know they don't really want to turn to Eric Johnson. So I think this is. You know, Frankie Montas is is an interesting name, but they may have two plugs to to fill. I mean, if you look at this team, you know, you know, you know, the teams usually use ten starters, and that's an average. And yep. then the, you also know that they they get significant innings from their sixth and seventh. And if you look at sixth and seven on this, it's Rodon and maybe Johnson or Montas. So uh, I don't think Brad Penny's going to really figure in. So I think this is really um, Rodon's going to get. I would say about you know, like 120 innings. I know that our, our depth charts have him at 75 and Noesi at 113. I might just flip those, except that that would flip their places on the depth charts, and Noesi is, is five now. But I would flip that those innings pitch numbers um, and give Rodone, you know, 120 innings or so in the majors, 20 innings in the minors. And I think this is a service time thing. And, you know, for what it's worth, I just, because we always, you know, kind of veer into the real-life stuff a little bit, you know, I know that it's not great for the fans uh, when when a guy like Bryant gets sent down, and when and when a guy like um, uh, Rodon doesn't get sent get sent down. But I think there are slightly different situations. I think Bryant may be a little bit more ready, but also is on a team that's a little bit more ready. Definitely. And I think if you're on a team, uh, being a fan of the, a team like the White Sox, it's not that hard to say, okay, let's just wait two weeks. Exactly. And then we get- Rodon later when maybe the team is a little bit better. Well, so especially because it's not 14 games either. When it, in in the case of a pitcher, it's it's a couple starts. Especially if they're fifth starter, it might only be two starts. To be honest, even even the full two weeks because of the way they they work things around with a fifth starter. So yeah, I can definitely get behind it from that situation too. But also the readiness of the clubs. I think that point that you make is strong as well. Um, our last bit of news: Don Brown going to start the season on the DL with an Achilles injury. You know this dude. I mean, I I used to be bought in. I used to be the guy that said, "Nah, stick with him. There's a lot of talent here." And then, of course, when 2013 happened, I felt justified because I had him in a couple leagues. And yeah, that big May was awesome. That May is like such a large percentage of his career home run total. I can't remember what it is. I wrote about it uh, in in the BP BP annual when I wrote up the Philly comments, but that single month is something like 33% of his total home runs for his career. Something crazy. That's 12. He had 12 uh, homers that that spring. So yeah, 12 out of 49. So 25%. It's a quarter of, yeah. of the entire career home runs that he's had, and he's played 1,544 plate appearances. What are you doing with this guy? He's still just 27, so that gives people some hope. But for me, I'm just looking at the skills at this point. I'm saying he's at best a league average guy uh, if you really want to stretch it. And again, that's heavily inflated by 2013 because he's been well below league average in, in the other four years, uh, or bits of four years mostly. I just can't see much from Don Brown anymore, and I'm not even sure that the the old change of scenery would help him that much. Well, I mean, it looks like an average outfielder. I think, you know, if you look at his projections, they're in 500 plate appearances, so they're immune to this possible starting in the in the uh, on the DL because they weren't projected for very much to begin with. I guess he could platoon and, and only end up with like 450 instead of 500 plate appearances, but 
Um, you know, if you just look at the counting stats, you know, 250, 260 average, um, 15 plus homers and five plus stolen bases is pretty much an average outfielder, fantasy outfielder line in sort of 12 to 15 league team leagues. Mm. So, you know, an average, an average is, it sounds bad, but it's not below average. No. Um, so, you know, I think there's still, there's still a reason to, to, to be aware of him. There's probably not a great reason to roster him because he was so bad last year that, and, and so much of the, the projections depend on, still on that 2013 and on that one big month, um, that if you took that out, maybe he was only projected for 12 homers, um, and a 240 batting average. And, you know, that's a lot less exciting. So, um, you know, I think he is, he is marginal, uh, but I didn't drop him in my 18 team, you know, league. Obviously, no, no, you're still hanging on, hanging on there. And I also think he'll be better, uh, you know, a better real Gabby. life player. Yeah, he's a good mixed leaguer. I mean, there's no, there's there, you know, 12 teams. I, I, you know, leave him, leave him on the wire. 15 teams, you know, hopefully you have uh, two or three DL slots. Um, yeah, if you got be- a couple DL slots, I wouldn't necessarily completely cut bait. I've just lowered my overall expectation set as somebody who used to be in the camp of, no, this guy's better than we've seen. You know how Bill James uh, is not Bill James himself. The Bill James projections um, once had him for thirty thirty in his rookie season, which I, that's one of my favorite things of all time. That is amazing. I love it. They, they, yeah, the Bill James projections have, have offered up some doozies. That would be chief among them. <laughs> Speaking of outfielders, let's talk outfielders. For those of you that were looking for this on Sunday night with Jason and myself, there is a confluence of Jason traveling and myself just being run down by Saturday evening. I just or Sunday evening just couldn't do it. Um, so we had to push. Uh, especially since he was on a short time window anyway, being uh, being that he was traveling. So Jason and I will be back with Outfielder Preview Part 2 tomorrow. But Eno and I – so you're going to get three pods in a row, Monday – or excuse me, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Eno and I are going to do Outfielders Part 1 right now. We're going to talk about the top 50 or so, guys. Not all 50, obviously. We are on a time crunch, and we don't really need to talk about Trout, McCutcheon, Stanton, those guys really. Uh, So we're going to do the groupings the way we did with the pitchers. Um, and and that that first group, the first rounders, it is Trout, McCutcheon, Stanton, Gomez, Batista. They're all firmly going in the first round in just about every draft. There are some other guys who are going in the first round too, but um, in just about every draft you're in, those five are going in the first round. Do you have any issues with any of those? And I, I namely, it would be Gomez or Batista because I can't imagine you have any problem with Trout, McCutcheon, or Stanton going in the first round. Well, I did just write a piece today about. Uh, changes in in uh, in strikeout rates for among hitters and uh, Trout shows up because he's striking out at 14 percent of the time this spring, um, which would be amazing. Uh, that would, oh god, that could be like a 400. That could be like a 400 hitter season. I mean, if he if he hits 30 out and strikes out 14 percent of the time, walks 10 percent of the time, and has that speed, I mean, where's where's the hole in his game? So <laughs> it's not fair (laughs) and honestly speaking of not fair i've had him in an al only league a 10 team al only four by four since he came up like i drafted him uh his his rookie year there so you know i got obviously i got a little lucky that he became this this overwhelming player but at least i drafted him and he wasn't a waiver pickup and yet i still feel kind of bad because 
of, of just what an advantage he gives me and how many mistakes I can make that he covers. Like I can take <laughs> – if I wanted to, I could take dumb risks in the draft for no reason and take like Mookie bets in, the, in its two-keeper two league. So I could take him in like the, the first round, which would be essentially the third round. I'm not even sure that that's dumb. But I could, I could take as many risks as I want almost, and Trout seems to cover them all. He's so freaking good. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but okay, we can't spend too much time there because we've got to get oh, well, the guys so – I guess – yeah, Jose Bautista's, you know, I guess you could talk about injury risk, but, you know, there's a Rob Arthur piece on projecting injury, and he, he, he weights last year heavily and then the year before, um, you know, just as heavily and then age. Um, you know, Bautista is 34, but last year, 673 plate appearances, um, nice full year. And even the year before that was 528, so not... Well- not a terrible year. So. And even in 2012, 2013, both of which were injury shortened, he still went 27 and 28 homers. Now, the counting numbers around them, the runs and RBIs were a little light. But if you're telling me that, yeah, he's a bit of an injury risk, but I can get you um, high 20s homers, I'll figure out the runs and RBIs on the wire. And I think I think that holds true. We talk sometimes of, you know, AL onlys are for depth or whatever. I mean, the, the floor is important and, and injuries, the risks are important. I think it still holds true for a, for an injury, especially since an AL only he's an outfielder. Uh, when he goes down, the Blue Jays are so bad that they're going to have to have um, some sort of actual AL only waiver wire outfielder yeah. uh, replace him. So you you know if he does go down, you'll have the opportunity to go get the outfielder that replaces him. So um, you know, and then you know you'll get you'll actually get probably 25 homers from him at the very least so that's a great and then the upside the upside i think is beyond last year's 35 if he uh, if he has a big power year uh but i think last year you know you don't have to go too far down to get uh to to what you bank on this year i think you know 260 30 homers is a good floor let's talk some all-around uh of1s yeah these guys these guys can be your number one outfielders um, like I said some of them sneak into the first round depending on league size league format but they're not universal first rounders they're almost universal second uh, second rounders though May- maybe sometimes early third and that's Michael Brantley Jacoby Ellsbury Yasiel Puig George Springer Starling Marte uh, they they might excel a little bit more in one of the power or the speed but all of them have the power speed game uh, available. If, they, if everything works well, they're going to be those all-around studs. Who's your favorite of this of this quintet? Yasiel Puig. I think I have him. I have him down for you know not down. I don't have him written in for an MVP season, but uh, I uh, I have him projected uh, well, and then I also have him as uh, as my pick for for MVP this year. Just I like because it. I think. Um, I think he's made the adjustments. You know, people kind of yelled that they were blue in the face about <laughs> um, about certain adjustments he had to make, and I think he made those. You look at his his uh, swing rate at pitches outside the zone um, that went down precipitously um, from from year one to year two, um, and uh, his swing rate in general. You know, he he realized that people were trying to bust him in certain ways, and and he reacted to that. He has opposite field power you know, uh, among the monsters in the game. And I think if he just adds a little bit of uh, quickness on the inside part of the plate, um, we could see a 220-230 ISO. We could see – I mean, I don't think it's really a stretch for me to say. We could see a 300 average, uh, 25 homers, and 15 steals from this guy. I completely agree. And, and on this on this uh, team, with the players around him, 
and the fact that the Dodgers are probably going to the postseason, you know, that sort of a season would would put him in the in the top three for MVP. So, um, you know, and then you know against the other guys that you, that you have listed, they're all good, but um, you know, he has this he has the combination of youth and actual uh, track record that. I don't think anybody else on this list has. I mean, there's I some guys who have the youth and some guys who have the track record, but there's there's not really someone who has the, the combo that he has. Yeah, because he, even Springer with, with the youth and, and what he was able to do last year still had flaws in his game. You know, obviously the big strikeouts, and he hadn't run yet. We haven't seen him run in the majors yet. So you, you're exactly right. Puig, such a beast. Uh, I really like Brantley in this group, and honestly I think that, you know – some people are worried that he's going to fall off. First off, I, I just don't see him completely falling off because even if he dips all the way back to the 2013 level, um, which was 10 homers, 17 stolen bases, 284 average, 73 RBIs, and 66 runs, that was still a $25 season. So we talk about floor, and yeah, that, that would be disappointing based on what you pay, which is like a second round or early second rounder, but it certainly wouldn't kill your season. At all. It wouldn't come close. It would be a perfectly useful asset, a, a strong, solid 611 plate appearance asset. So I just I think that uh, we're going to see closer to last year than 2013. But even if he fell all the way back, you're still getting a great player. So I really like Michael Brantley. I, I don't see any reason to really be uh, leery of his skills. Maybe you're a little bit leery of the power because it was such a sharp boost in his homer to fly ball rate up to 13%, something he'd never done before. But that's not exorbitant compared to the league average, which is 10, 10-11%, 10, uh, depending on the given year. So it's not like he was up doing some 24% figure that has no chance of sustaining. If he holds in like the 10 to 13% range, that's going to be perfectly acceptable. So I'll put him down for 15 homers and 20 stolen bases, and I'll take that all day. And the 327 average, that that could come down too. But again, the 333 BABIP, that's not over the top, holy crap, Danny Santana 400 stuff. It's high, and it's his highest ever. Uh, so it's probably going to come back down closer to the 311 that we've seen from him. But he can still easily be a 300 hitter. I just really like Michael Brantley. I think his skills are great, and he's right in the midst of his prime. Yeah, I mean, what's, what's crazy is that he didn't come with any sort of really big boost in his bad ball distance. And um, it wasn't that he hit the ball further, necessarily. It was that he just pulled the ball more. Yep. Um, and, uh, and you just have – it's almost a question of physics about, you know, how far it's going to go and, and bad speed and stuff like that. So I, I feel like – you know the the pull the fact that he was able to pull and keep his batting average was is what's really so great. He's a great hitter, uh, just a great, and, great hitter. Yeah, so I think that suggests to me that he's making adjustments on the fly, and he's he's doing a really good job of knowing when to look to go the other way and when to pull the ball. So um, yeah, I I think that I think that double digit homers is 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 a lock. Um, I mean, I, it, it, it's hard to say that because he did spend, you know, two, he spent two, two years. I mean, actually, you know what is 2011, if you prorate that out to a full season, that's probably a 10 homer year. So, yeah, um, that's true. 100, so 107, you, you, seven in 114 games. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you give him basically 10, six, 10, 20, uh, and the projections have 13 and the fans have 16, nothing, nothing strikes me as unreasonable there. Uh, the team should get should either be better or or be the same. So and I, I think better personally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I do, I do too. I mean, I 
again, that's that was my uh, 120 Sports and ESPN um, and Fangraphs pick was the Indians for the uh, Central for the, Series, for the World Series. Oh, nice! I, I'm picking them for the for the Central uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, that just the, the rotation is is so good, is really nice and deep, and I think they made the uh, the right choice. And also, their their biggest flaw, you know, defense. Uh, they've got Lindor, so you know, if Lindor comes up, he could be a cascade effect where. Jose Ramirez plays third or, or, or plays second. Kipnis plays the outfield. There's all these ways that one guy couldn't, you know, influence the the defense for the whole team. And um, in any case, I think that they and I'm so also not playing Santana at third. Um, exactly. So I think they're going to improve their first base their all year. Yeah, they're going to improve their defense in a couple key ways. Their pitching is deep and has you know has Salazar waiting the wings. They're you know, so they they really, I think they're really uh, set to do well. So I, you know, there's no real reason to do anything that would project him worse than two ninety fifteen fifteen. Exactly, and, and that, uh, that, that's where I'm at. Is that and the peak projection honestly is not that far from that. I mean, the pre the actual peak peak projection is something like two ninety twenty fifteen. So, um, you know, I, I think that in a, you know, especially since Brantley costs a couple bucks less than Puig. Um, you know, there's there's a case to be made for his value there. Springer, I am worried that he hasn't run yet, and that the team may see him as a slugger. The team may want to keep him out of injuries, um, and may not want him to steal a lot. Marte, some of his skill is getting hit. I know, uh, and that yeah, we've so. talked about that before, and that's a little bit worrisome. That kind of drives his OBP almost twenty four yeah. and seventeen HBPs the last two years for for Starling Marte. So that's a little oh. bit worrisome. Ellsbury showed up, I think, ended up in the right park. Um, you know, people said he would hit 15 homers in Yankee Stadium, and he did. Yep. And I think that's, I think that's the right, the right place for him. He, uh, his swing, he's a lefty, real nice home porch there for him. Uh, so I think he can hit uh, 15 homers and steal 30 bases again. So that means he absolutely belongs in this list. And I think he's being undervalued in dang some it. draft. I was just about to ask you. I mean, I shouldn't say dang it because you're just affirming. I was going to ask you, is he being a bit underrated? His season was yeah. ridiculous last year. And I know that people like kind of worry about the health. But now we've got two straight 636 plate appearances. Well, 636 and 635 last year. So we got two straight seasons. And honestly, just one year where he uh, – I guess two years where he was hurt. Yeah, two two years where he didn't play at all, really. Yeah. Well, even the uh, t- t- 2012, 323, but then the one t- the 2010 was like nothing. It was 18 games right. kaput. But other than that, he's just been so freaking good that, yeah, I almost think he's being underrated, which is weird because for for years, at least for the, almost my entire fantasy career, uh, playing since all the way back uh, when I was 14 years old, he, there was a Yankee tax. If it was a Yankee, he was going to be costing more around more, even if he was at the bottom end of of the Yankees. It's just they always cost a little bit more. And now I think some of their guys are being a bit underrated, and Ellsbury's one of them for sure. Uh, I think we just have a tendency. It's it's not – you can call it East Coast bias. It, it could be East Coast bias. But what it really is, I think, is just that they get uh, more attention. Sure. You know, And so when they're bad – they get more attention and get more labeled as bad, and so you know now. Oh, so we're, you're saying it works in both ways? They, they, right. They'll get more hype than they deserve, but they'll get more hate than they deserve when things aren't perfect. And they're not as bad as as you know as people want to. I think want to put them in right now. Hundred percent agree. And and um, you know they're, they're not as they weren't as good. You know, well, I mean, okay, they were pretty good back then. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were pretty excellent. Well, but let's, I see this. 
We got to move on. We got topic. I see this mostly with McCann. I mean, McCann. Somebody just told me they went to the last, last pick and uh, last round of their their draft. What? And I and I was in a draft yesterday or, or this weekend um, where the, we had strikeouts by uh, batters as a, as a category and OBP. Um, both things that will help mitigate some of McCann's problems because he doesn't strike out as much as a lot of catchers. Mm-hmm. And I got him, you know, in the 15th or 16th or something round with after keepers. I mean, it was ridiculous. Your so team is I think McCann league, is, by the way, huh? You showed me your team that, 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 that team that you put together for that league was gross. Yeah. Well, I'm a little worried about Matt Shoemaker actually now. I mean, that's, uh, that's, it's fair to have concerns about him, but it, it, it's really good. Let's try to get to a couple more of these tiers because obviously okay. you do have your hard stop. Uh, these are some power-heavy power uh, number one outfielders. These guys can be your number one. Uh, if they're your number two, then you're in some really good shape. But uh, these guys mostly focus on power, maybe give you a little bit elsewhere. Adam Jones, uh, Justin Upton. I almost said Jacoby Upton. Like, There's one guy named Jacoby. Why am I thinking that that's a common thing? <laughs> uh, Justin Upton, Ryan Braun. And Bryce Harper. Now, um, I, I saved. I didn't put this in the news because I knew we would be talking about him. But w- there was a bit of news that says Ryan Braun's thumb is it's not supposed to be an issue anymore. And obviously, if that's the case, if we can really believe that, that would be massive because last year he was excellent when the when the thumb wasn't an issue. And he could, if he could get back to being himself. That could be devastating for for, uh, uh, for for the Brewers with Braun and, and Gomez there and Lucroy in the middle of their lineup just crushing. So these are all four guys who you, you sh- you're going to count on for power mostly, but they they can all chip in a bit elsewhere. Um, and we haven't seen the super power season from Harper yet, only because he hasn't played for a full season. By rates, he's done plenty of the power. We just haven't seen that big 30 homer season, but it's coming. It's just a matter of getting the volume. So how do you feel about this group? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, he could be underprojected, and Ron could be under underprojected for power for for the same reasons we've been talking about before about health health issues. And I'm just gonna I'm a, I'm a little bit more willing to bet, even though Bron's I mean Harper's had these issues, Bron has had them too, um, and it's not just it hasn't been just the thumb. And I'm gonna bet on the 22 year old to to put together a healthy season over, over the 31 year old. Yeah, uh, so. I can agree with that. So. Uh, um, I, you know, I'll take Harper. Harper's going ahead of Braun in most drafts. Um, you know, I'll take them. Let me ask you what uh, you're doing with Jones. Because, you know, it's very interesting because, you know, he has the type of skill set that when I started in fantasy, I would never would have, uh, I would never would have drafted. I was always a guy who looked for good plate discipline guys. Um, and, uh, maybe even your Adam Dunn types that didn't look like, uh, major league hitters or didn't look, you know, didn't look the part. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I thought I was a Billy Bean or whatever. <laughs> um, and, uh, and Adam Jones is a super athletic, uh, guy who, who is more almost like a Brandon Phillips type. And I don't know, I don't ask, I don't actually know which one ages better. I think there's some evidence that the true three true outcomes guys don't age as well. Yeah, that's um, fair. You know, because that they they're kind of getting by on on smarts, and then their their athleticism goes quicker. So I just I just have the feeling that you know the the steals are already starting to go, so you're not really going to get any value from the steals. And you know, if you're not in an OBP league, then maybe you don't you don't care about his walk rate. But you know, the, those things are separating. You know, he's walking less and he's striking out more, and it's happening every year. Um, so at some point he's going to strike out 22% of the time and never walk. I mean, no, that's not how it works, <laughs> but I, I think that, uh, 
the strikeout rate, you know, I think at some point, you, you look at the bell curve. He started out with a 21%. You know, he had some issues in the minors. I think we're going to see a 21, 22% strikeout rate soon. And that's going to mean he's going to go back to the days when he hit 270. So then you're talking about 270, 25 homers. That doesn't sound like a second rounder to me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on him, and I think that the, the community as a whole is really starting to kind of push him down a little bit because coming into the season, uh, he was still, or coming into the, the draft season, you know, mock draft season, he was actually kind of a late first rounder pretty regularly, um, and now he's starting to dip more of a second round. He still doesn't go too far, I mean, because even if you don't like the profile, and I'm, I'm with you, the same, I echo the same sentiments you have about this kind of profile, but even if you don't like it, you can't, you just can't deny the numbers. The numbers have been amazing um, now for several years running. So, uh, but I, I do worry about a little bit of a drop. Like you said, speed's already, already leaving a little bit. And if the average goes, then all of a sudden, what, well, now, now what are we looking at here? Still a very good player, just not, not the elite level that he'd been. Um, let's talk about some questionable uh, outfielder number one guys. These guys could be your number one outfielder, but it, it'd be a little bit worrisome, and you better be loaded elsewhere. You better be loaded at the scarce positions because this means that you probably waited, and they either have a health question hanging over them, maybe an age question, or just maybe a track record uh, question. They haven't done it enough yet to r- fully believe, and that's uh, Cargo, Carlos Gonzalez, his teammate Corey Dickerson. That would be the one with the track record. Uh, Matt Kemp, obviously injury and then Matt Holiday doesn't really have injury or any and there's nothing like majorly questioning uh, him it's just that Matt Holiday is getting older you know he's going to be 35 he had a 2090 season last year with a 272 average perfectly solid but not special so again if you were going to lead off your your outfield with Matt Holiday I, I wouldn't you know, necessarily question it but like I said, you better have some some scarce positions filled up with like a Tulo and Buster Posey and then maybe a stud pitcher, and then you took Holiday in the fourth round. I can get behind that, but you're going to have some work to do in the outfield if, if any of these four is your number one guy. You know, I wonder if we should do a study on Colorado and, and um, illness and, and injury because he ever since he got to Colorado – he has been injured. I can't believe Carlos Gonzalez's numbers. I mean, he has only hit 600 plate appearances once, and that was in 2010. That's crazy. I mean, he is really he's really not even a good bet for 400, even the 450. The fans want to give him 550. He hasn't done that since 2012. So, I mean, you know, I know there's some evidence for this because part of the home field advantage in basketball is for the for the Nuggets, one of the best – uh, home field advantages in sports is the is the Denver Nuggets on the second half of a back to back at home. Yep, absolutely. And that's about that's about um, you know recovery. And you know it's not that much of a stretch to say that Carlos Gonzalez is hurting because of the high altitude. Well, so I don't. Know. And and he's not the only one either. So it's not like you're just picking one guy and and, and making the point. Obviously, the aforementioned Tulo. Uh, by the right. way, Barry Zito is just getting thumped right now here in this this spring <laughs> training game here. I, I can't. I didn't know who. I didn't see. Seen who, some balls leave the park. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't see who hit the first homer, but then Calhoun hit one. Trout laced a double. This went from 4-0 Oakland to four. For in a hurry. Anyway, that's irrelevant. I just kept seeing the ball fly out, and it I caught my attention. You know what? Dickerson's 25, so you know, in some ways, I think I'd rather have him over Cargo. I mean, he's just much more likely to play, and the, the more that that matters, how much he plays, like a weekly league, a weekly league, I'd much rather have Corey Dickerson because 
you know, even though he has the the possible platoon problems, you can't really platoon every member of your outfield. Exactly. Uh, so they're going to have to choose between him and Blackman who's going to get platooned. And I still feel like it'll be Blackman. And, well, the Blackman just has a lower ceiling offensively, so, you know, it's just easier to do that. Yep. And then it may become irrelevant the more often Carlo is hurt, then you have to just play all three of them anyway. Um, so I, I think I'd rather have Chris Dickerson, I mean, Carl, uh, Corey Dickerson in most situations. I'm not as worried about – I know he had uh, some platoon splits in the, pro, in the minors and stuff, but, you know, when you do what he did – I think that you get a chance to play every day. I got to get a couple words from you on Kemp before we move on because I think people, uh, it's really divided on him right now. There's there's the believers who are still ready to jump in, buy in on that second half because he looked like the MVP uh, candidate that we saw back in, in 2011 when he finished second to Braun f- for that second half. And, and he's been hitting in spring too, which we don't go, again, we don't go crazy over, but when it's a guy who has health concern and, and he's out there playing and doing well, it makes you feel a little bit better. Then there's others who are saying, you know what, two arthritic hips, I'm not going anywhere near it. He's going to San Diego, can't trust it. I'm not worried about the park at all. The health is really my only concern with him. But how do you feel about Kemp? Can he be that stud we saw in the second half for a full year? Obviously he can be. I shouldn't even ask that. That's that's an obvious yes, he can be. What is the likelihood that he will be the guy? Uh, and again, doesn't have to be the 971 OPS he put up for the second half, but let's just say even a 900, which is obviously elite level. What are the chances he can be a 900 OPS guy for a full season again, the way he was in 2011 and 2012? You know, the one thing I do believe in to some extent is the uh, the high bat- batting average on balls in play because he sprays the ball to all fields and you know that's just that's and he has some speed and he's you know he's i think he's the type of hitter that he's not Votto, but he's got some of those Votoian skills i think that <laughs> i like uh, that by the way as a phrase uh, uh, and uh and so i i do think that um you know i i like him to to hit for like 275 280 which is good given his strikeout rate um it does take that sort of high babbit but you know for his career, fourth, you know, 4,500 plate appearances, 350 bat. I mean, we can believe that number now, and I think that'll that's the kind of thing that can survive even uh, with the, the the switch to to Petco. So I'm not that worried about his batting average. Uh, you know, I I think he can steal five to eight stolen bases just because he will and he wants to, um, and he thinks that's still part of his game. So I, you know, even. You know, the fact that he got caught five times in 13, I don't think that's going to stop Matt Kemp. I agree. I, 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 unless he's flat out told by, by Bud Black that if you run again, I, I'm going to punch you in the neck. I still feel like he's arrogant <laughs> enough to be like, you know what? I'm going to take my eight for 13. Yeah, I, I got to get eight bags. I got to get at least eight this year. He's He's gone nine, nine, and eight the last three years. That's yeah. so funny that you say that. That's his personality, though. I think he would, unless he's explicitly told, and even then, he still might not. <laughs> even so, then, he might still say, you know what, Skip, I had that one. I'm sorry. I thought I had that one, and he's thrown out by 25 feet. LA is not a pitcher's park, but it's not a hitter's park. So exactly. I think he could, you know, hit 20 plus. So. You know, if we're we're arguing 
it seems like we'd be arguing about 20 to 25 homers. Yes, and it's not yeah. going to be a shock to him either, having played his whole career for the Dodgers. It's not like he doesn't – he knows Petco. Like he's been in there okay. plenty. So I, I like that aspect for him and Upton too because anyone who forgets, obviously Upton was part of Arizona for, for years, and you shouldn't forget that because he was only in Atlanta for what, two years? One year? Two years. Or was yeah. it just one? It was two. Uh, anyway. One, I think we got time for one more tier here before you got before you got to scoot and 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 do your your 120 sports here, and we're going to talk about uh, some category focused uh, outfielder number twos, and what this means is uh they, they hone in on one specific category. You'll you'll understand when you hear the names: Billy Hamilton, Nelson Cruz, Yoenis Cespedes. Obviously, one speed demon and two power monsters here. Talk to me a little bit about this group. Uh, I, I think they're a divisive group as well. Some people don't like the speed-only speed, speed only guys, and then there's others who are worried about both the power guys, Cruz because of the park he's going to and the fact that he's you know he keeps moving up in age, and then Cespedes because outside of that first season uh, that he had with Oakland, we haven't seen him be elite. You know, It's not like he was bad in 2013 or 2014 especially last year you know he played enough to get uh, 100 ribbies so 22 and 100 with a uh, passable 260 average and 89 runs you can't really get too angry at that especially with seven stolen bases chipped in but it's not the elite level that that i think a lot of us have been expecting so there's some divisiveness amongst this trio but yet if you're slotting them in at your at your of number two you gotta feel pretty happy yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the best parks he'll call home, even if it is a pitcher's park. It's not Oakland, you know? Exactly, and it's not and, it's not sharp pitcher's I mean, it, it's more neutral than anything else, at least from, from my eyes, watching pretty much every game they play uh, every year. Yeah, and so I think, and there was a, some weird, there were some weird things that happened to his numbers in, in Oakland. So I think, um, you know, I think there could be, I think this could be a, a decent year for him just because, you know, from watching him, he definitely has no doubt power. I do, I do wonder if he's, you know, kind of the scouts' um, fool's gold in that, you know, he's got the, he's, you know, he kills the ball in in batting practice. I mean, he's got, he's got great raw power, um, but just the the kind of swinging from the heels that he does, um, and it's amazing he's actually made as much contact as he does, given sometimes the way that he, his approach looks at the plate. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, he's very athletic and I think the reason he's been traded around so much is that I don't think that anyone really wants to sign him for his, his thirties. That, and that's, uh, and that's understandable with, with the 294 and 301 OBP the last two years. Yeah. So I think that they're a little bit worried that this, this kind of heels driven approach, um, will, won't age so well. Um, but you know, in terms of a one year sample and a redraft, um, you know, going into the his best home park um, with, you know, still, to, you know, on the right side of 30. Um, you know, I think I absolutely like him. And I think, you know, I absolutely like him better than Nelson Cruz. Um, Me too. You know, just a just a better bet, I think. You know, Cruz, you know, there were years when he was injured a lot. He's older. And the ballpark change for him is extreme and in the wrong direction. So um, I'll, I'll take the train heading up instead of the train heading down. I'll take Billy Hamilton over both, and I know that it creates a power issue, but power is down across baseball. Um, Billy Hamilton is not a zero home run guy, um, and 
you know, he's so new to everything, I think. That he can, he can still of, develop. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's 24, but I think he's more like a baseball 22. And, uh, and you know, a little bit of comfort at the position and with the, 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 the guys in the league. Because, you know, there were years in the minor leagues when he had double-digit walk rates. And, you know, there's enough bounce and up and down, I think, in his numbers where I don't think we necessarily know everything about Billy Hamilton yet. So... Uh, you know, if he gets that walk rate up to league average, then that means he might have a 320 OBP, might have 70 stolen bases. Which is, I mean, it's just game changing. Yeah, I, I, I hear you on Hamilton. I still, I still prefer Cespedes to him. But this is a dangerous combination for me because it's one of my favorite non-Tigers becoming a Tiger. So I'll, I'll admit some potential bias out front when it comes to Cespedes. I, I, I could definitely be overrating him because I love watching him play. And now he's going to be on my favorite team. I just think that uh, there's a chance for those the run in RBI numbers that we saw last year to stick, maybe even improve in that lineup. And then if he gets his power back on track to what we think it can be and, and saw in uh, those first two seasons, then all of a sudden we're talking 30 and 100 from him uh, for this year. So that's why I like him so much. But in terms of Cruz, uh, I definitely have him third in the group very easily. And these aren't always rankings, folks, when we do these groupings. These are just groupings that I'm doing here because I, I've got some of the next couple groups ahead of Cruz as well. I just thought that that was a, a decent place to put him because we had the, the single category guys, basically. But, um, yeah, I think this is going to wrap us, wrap us up here because you've got the hard stop and, and we still got plenty of uh, outfielders in here. Like I said, Jason and I will be back for more outfielders tomorrow. And honestly, because there's so many outfielders, Eno and I might be back on Thursday for even the lower, you know, the the the, the potential lottery ticket guys. And we'll uncover some potential breakouts for you with a, with a third outfielder group. That that that's a that could happen on Thursday unless something uh, breaks where we've got a bunch of news. Uh, so Eno, I'm going to let you go, and then we'll be back in a couple days to talk more. Yeah, and you know what? By then, um, you know, I just uh, published hitting spring stats today um, with the strikeouts, and then uh, I think I'm going to publish something on on the front of Fangraphs tomorrow about pitching um, stats, uh, spring stats, and strikeouts. So you know, for whatever time we have on Thursday, um, we'll be able to talk about uh, uh, why Zach McAllister is killing it. Uh oh. Yeah, we'll, ha- we'll definitely have to get into that then, too. So even if we do just a little bit on outfielders, we'll spend the rest uh, on, on the pitchers there. But otherwise, you go ahead and get to your 120 sports hit, and we'll, 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 we'll check that out when they put it online, and, and you and I will talk in two days. All right. All right, bye. <laughs>